0: Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the
1: 14th of February.
2: Monica, would you please please press star one? We've lost you. Now, can
0: you hear me? (laughs) Yes, I can hear you now. Okay, all right. I will start from the top. Should we do that? Yes. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the 14th of February, 2014. And today we are reading from the big book. We're in the chapter, There is a Solution. And we are on page 22, and we're going to be starting reviewing with the paragraph, Why Does He Behave, and moving on to the next one, Perhaps There Never Will Be. And today's readers are... The 12 Steps, Cheryl R., 12 Traditions, Rose, and then Hoodie, Sharon, Chelsea, and Kim. And the share code for yesterday, Thursday, the 13th of February, is 5913. 5913. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Cheryl R. to please read the 12 steps. Star 1 to unmute, Cheryl.
1: Can you hear me now?
0: I sure can.
1: Great. Thanks. This is Cheryl R. from Virginia, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And I pass.
0: Thank you, Cheryl. And I will now ask Rose to please read the 12 traditions.
3: Thank you, Monica. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass.
0: Thank you, Rose. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and then stop and share on what was read. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the Big Book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then please press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And I would please ask everyone to please mute their phone because we've got some background noise going on. And today we are doing our, our study of the Big Book. We're in the chapter, There is a Solution, on page 22. And we're going to review with the first paragraph, Why Does He Behave? We're just going to read it so we have a full picture of what's being talked about, and then go on to reading. Perhaps there never will be a full answer, and that's the paragraph we'll be discussing. And I'm going to ask Hoodie to begin reading,
1: please.
4: Good morning, Monica. This is Hoodie, a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you for your service. Why does he behave like this? If hundreds of experiences have shown him that one drink means another debacle with all the attendant suffering and humiliation. Why is it he takes that one drink? Why can't he stay on the water wagon? What has become of the common sense and willpower that he still sometimes displays with respect to other matters? Perhaps there will never be a full answer to these questions. Opinions vary considerably as to why the alcoholic reacts differently from normal people. We are not sure why. Once a certain point is reached, little can be done for him. We cannot answer the riddle. And um, here in this chapter, there is a solution. We are in there is a solution. And these people, these more than 100 men who have recovered, who have been in the quicksand and have seen a way out, are here telling us there is a solution and, try, and helping us to identify in over here. And exactly, that's we don't know, but we get to focus on what I do know. I know I have this allergy of the body, um, this physical allergy that um, sets me apart, like an, another an, an iniquity, and that I have this obsession of mind that once once I take that first bite, that, that phenomenon of craving, is, the craving is is um, in my system, and um, and I cannot stop. And there is no answer. And if I, if I have to focus, if I keep focusing on why me, why do I have this problem, why can I be normal, the why, then um, I can't get, get through and work through the program. I have this problem, and there is a solution for it. I identify with the problem, and... Um, and this book is good, and they're gonna share with me how I too could receive this solution and um so today I get to focus on what I could do now today, and I am wet, ready and willing to go to any length to um and to pick up the spiritual toolkit that is um is there and that the people who have um been before me. are giving to me. And with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me share.
0: Thank you, Hoodie. And who would like to share on this paragraph? Rose. Rose. Go ahead, Rose.
3: Thank you, Monica. Thank you for your service this morning. My name is Rose. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Um, This chapter, the second, I mean, the second um, paragraph I feel is um it speaks so loudly to me for sure and that the wording here which is so specific as the rest of the wording in the big book that comes from Bill Wilson to us um is it's it's said lightly but it has such strong strong communication as to um finding out what is the solution to the recovery Uh, beginning with the last sentence, we cannot answer the riddle. And for me, um, what this has said to me is similar to what Hoodie said. It doesn't matter why I'm a food addict, a compulsive overeater. It makes no difference. I spent many, many years wasting time um, lying to myself with justification after justification that I inherited the disease, I came from a family of them, um, and on and on and on. And it doesn't make any difference. What does make the difference, what made the difference for me, is reading these words exactly as they're written. Perhaps there will never be a full answer to these questions that were mentioned. Opinions vary considerably as to why uh, the food addict reacts differently from normal people. Um, I, I you know, was um, banging my head against a stone wall as to why somebody could eat and their metabolism was what it was and mine was what, was what mine was. No answers, no solutions. And we are not sure why once a certain point is reached, little can be done for him. We cannot answer the riddle. And just saying we cannot answer the riddle, to me, says, Rose, read the book, read the instructions, read where they are saying exactly what to do, which step to take for which which situation, starting with don't pick up the food. And with that, I just feel like this volume speaks so loudly all the time. And even when we have a paragraph here that um, quietly says, even though it doesn't say, don't waste your time asking questions, for me, it's saying, follow the instructions we are giving you, period. Thank you for letting me share. With that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Rose. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Laura Lorna, go ahead.
5: Hi, Lorna, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Pittsburgh. <clears throat> so, the word opinion is uh, a sweeping judgment based on, um, not based on certainty. And I get a lot of opinions <laughs> in this program on how to how to run this show and um i i i like i appreciate that this book is proof it's not an opinion because it's grounded in certainty and it's grounded in practical experience to get recovered and these pages these these steps to get closer and get a relationship with with the higher power to to recover me to recover me from mind and body have not been changed in um, seventy five years seventy seventy four seventy five years and I can I I can't even think of a of a textbook that has not been changed in seventy five years even even religious creeds there are numerous versions, numerous versions of those religious creeds even even encyclopedias and dictionaries and and, and and school textbooks, books that are the basic text you know this is our basic text, those have all been added, and the language has been changed and um you know English has been transformed into more modern style. And this book has not been changed. So this book is not an opinion. This is is proof. And um, hopefully, God willing, it will remain unchanged for another uh, 75 years. With that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Lauren. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph?
6: Uh, This is Peter.
0: Peter, (laughs) go ahead.
6: Good morning. I'm Peter from the Boston area. Um, This was a good paragraph. Um, I've been in programs since 93, so I've been in for 20 years, and the opinions about food addiction and et cetera do ebb and flow, and I had a problem with the disease word because I wanted to feel like a healthy person, but about a month and a half ago I went to see a top bariatric doctor meaning specializing in weight loss and he looked at my history and he heard about my program and he looked at my blood work and he turned to me and he said you are a carbohydrate addict I am not I can eat flour and sugar and you cannot so I just was I knew this about myself but Having it scientifically validated by a top doctor who was, like, from Princeton just made a difference to me. So I thought I'd share that because I thought it might help someone. So thanks. I pass.
0: Thank you, Peter. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph?
7: Hi, this is Linda from Connecticut. I'd like to share, if I may. Go ahead, Linda. Hi, Monica. Um, this is a good paragraph for me. And it makes me think of the way it is in today's world, where addiction is a buzzword, something that it wasn't at that time when the when the book was written. And there's real wisdom in we cannot answer the riddle um, today. Um, a person I feel, from my experience, is in. I'm recovered, by the way. I'm Linda in Connecticut, and I am recovered through the grace of God through these steps in the Big Book. There's a a sort of an atmosphere in today's world of it's really okay to ask why it probably is, and there are many many answers, and and celebrities will tell you they're addicts and so forth, and movies and yada 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 yada. But the point is, and this is the point I had to come to. The point is, uh, put down your intellect, Linda. The house is on fire, and the fact that you know that it started in the stove when it boiled over is n- is not germane. Just get out of the house. It's on fire. And so to get out of the house, I just followed the rules. I followed them as laid down in this book, and I'm recovered. And that is a wonderful, wonderful place to be. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Linda. And um, this is Monica,
0: and I would like to share a little bit here. So here we are in this chapter. There is a solution. And in the paragraph before, you know, they were asking a of different questions. Why, 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 why do these alcoholics do these crazy things? You know, what's going on with them? And So they're alluding to the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind going on there. And then they go on to this paragraph, and they say, you know, perhaps there never will be a full answer to these questions. And this was written back in 1939, this book was written. And they didn't have full answers then. And here we are in 2014, and we still don't have full answers. But they're saying to us, you know what? That doesn't matter. What matters is if you identify to being a compulsive overeater, What matters is we have a solution. We have a way out. There is hope for you. You don't have to stay in that quicksand and keep digging your wheels trying to figure out why me, why this, what's going on, and whatnot. Because I don't know about you, but I spent a lifetime doing that. I spent 50 years spinning my wheels, getting deeper in the quicksand, trying to know why. What's wrong with me? What's going on here? And the answer, you know, the answer is, I am a compulsive overeater. Monica, it's a fact. It is not your fault. But you have a responsibility. And if you want to get out of there, we've got the ladder here for you. It's called the steps. And you can... Climb out of that quicksand pit that you've been in for years and years. So this is a program of action, and that's what they're going to tell us. If you want to get out of the quicksand, stop thinking about it and start doing. And with that, I will pass. And would anybody else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on to the next? Larry? I heard Larry, and it was someone else that wanted to...
8: Hannah. Your name again, please? Hannah.
0: Hannah. Okay. Larry and then Hannah.
9: Good morning, Monica. Larry recovered. um, Compulsive reader from Chicago. Thanks for your service. Um, You know, I wasn't, I was not going to recover. There was no way that I was going to recover. And this is an important point for me, and I don't know if it'll be helpful for anyone else. I just had trouble with the notion that I was different, that I was, you know, this word insane and but I, I know today I am indeed different. I would not have, um, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't have had the perseverance to work these steps. There was a reason why I didn't work the action steps. It's really clear to me now it wasn't then. All I knew was frustration and, and you know, again, more psych, self-psychoanalysis on why, why, why. Why did I pick up the food? Why can't I work these steps? It's very clear to me now as recovered, compulsive over a year. I did Because I didn't accept, um, I did not accept in steps one, two, and three where we acknowledge who we are. Today I know I am indeed different. You know, purely by definition, insane does not mean crazy, non-functioning. An insane mind is a mind that is less than whole. And that was what my mind was. I was very functional, but it was less than whole. See, I made decisions based on a lie. I wasn't crazy. I was just less than whole. We're not quite all there. You know, I made a decision based on a lie, you know, and when I took a compulsive bite, could I see the truth? No. I would suggest for me, no, I I could not. I am bodily and mentally different. You know, like it said, the idea that somehow I'll be able to control my eating is the delusion, the illusion, you know, that has to be smashed. In other words, I have to believe something that is simply not true. Delusion means come to believe something that is not true. And the big book tells me that I will take this delusion, as I was, all the way, way to the gates of insanity or death. And I simply have no control and I take that first bite. And that was proven to me over and over and over again. And so, sanity, wholeness, completeness of mind, I have that today. But only by the grace of the God of my understanding do I now make the decisions in my life based on truth. So, for example, despite. All the evidence to the contrary, I no longer believe that sticking my hands in a cellophane bag or jumping in the car and getting out and doing the drive-through, you know, shuffle, you know, will in fact make life better, more interesting, exciting, tolerable. Did I give that to myself? Did I read it in a book? Did you tell, did you, did you just appeal to me and tell me that none of that would work before? Now, you know, to be clear, I could no more give myself this gift of sanity than you could give it to me. You see, God rendered me sane. He rendered me whole, complete, through a vital spiritual experience that I got. Um, You know, I'm often asked, "How how do you know if we've had a spiritual awakening? I mean, certainly I can't prove to you in a tangible sense that this happened. But somehow people know that something's happened to me. They feel it, they hear it in my voice, and they see it. And to be sure, it's not my physical stats that are the primary indicator because some people are stark raving abstinent and they lose weight. I, I always did, you know. But no, God has removed this obsession, and the Big Book is quite clear in how, you know, about this phenomenon of the dry drunk. I'm no longer that. I no longer want the food. I stopped psychoanalyzing, debating, and I just embarked on working steps that I didn't know would work for me. I did not know they would work for me. After all, I had nothing in my, you know, in my experience that would suggest that it would work for me. All I knew is I saw it worked in you. That was my only evidence, but I was scared. I wasn't sure it would work for me, but at some point, I just worked the steps and quit debating after five years of debating. And then something miraculous happened to me and now people see it and they hear it. And now amazingly, The the, the fact that my pants fit well, the fact that I'm, you know, 170 pounds, 5'10", that's the least of what God did for me. Can you imagine what God did for me? Is He changed me. I'm a better person. I can love others in the midst of calamity. You think my life is, is a bowl of cherries? It's not. It's just like yours. The storm comes. But but I, in the midst of the storm, God has scrubbed my brain, if you will, and I no longer want the food. That's what's happened to me. It's the least of my issues today. Today, thank, I'll, just, I'll leave it with this. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. I am so very grateful. With that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Larry. Ditto, ditto. Hannah, you're next.
8: Good morning. I'm Hannah. I'm a Recovered Compulsive Eater in Colorado. Um, thank you everyone who makes this 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 meeting possible and the listeners and the speakers. Um, this is what, you know, I have a doctorate in philosophy. So I, I call it being licensed to think and to teach other people how to think. And if thinking would keep me abstinent, I would never have had a problem with food because I can think very well. And the difference for me between um, self-improvement or self-help and this program of surrender is that this doesn't happen in my intellect. it's not that there's anything wrong with the intellect. It's just it's the wrong tool for addressing this part of me. And it it, it was a great relief to me. And I say this especially for anyone who's new or wondering if you have a problem with food or, you know, if you really can say you're a compulsive eater, what that means. People explained to me that I didn't, I didn't have to try to figure that out in order to be abstinent. That abstinence is something that happens in a different part of me, in the spiritual part of me, and the surrender process, a- an acceptance of oh, so there's this this part of me that isn't my intellect. It's another part of me, and that's where. I find recovery. I find spir- the spiritual food that I need. You know, the feeding and the nourishment that I need that I was looking for in philosophy or in just trying to figure things out myself. Um, there are still times when when I don't. I can say, I don't get it. I don't understand what my relationship with food is, and it's such a relief after 10 years of abstinence, to still be able to say, doesn't matter if I don't get it. (laughs) This works. I'm happy when I'm living this way. Thanks, Pat.
0: Thank you, Hannah. Let's move on to the next paragraph. And Sharon R.S., would you read for us, please? Good morning. This
10: is Sharon. I am a recovered compulsive overeater, very grateful to be with you this morning. We know that while the alcoholic keeps from drink, he may, as he may do for months or years, he reacts much like other men. We are equally positive that once he takes any alcohol, whatever, into his system, something happens, both in the bodily and mental sense which makes it virtually impossible for him to stop the experience of any alcoholic will abundantly confirm this. this this paragraph really resonates with me and what I have experienced in the rooms for right now it would be it is 23 years 23 years Eleven of those years, I sat in the room going back and forth and and in and out of abstinence. I, I believe I had three years, depending on how you define abstinence. And I would I would go in the I would get off of the sugar and then start drinking and still think I was abstinent. And I couldn't. I I remember getting angry at someone in the rooms because I said I was abstinent. And then I talked about having a Bach and orange juice and she blurted out that I wasn't abstinent. And that really made me angry. But but, However, I do uh, appreciate the woman that uh, at one point took me to an AA room after I had talked about that more than once. So I really struggled in the rooms with Defining what abstinence is and but what I realized is that i and, and I think in some ways it's very unfortunate that we have so much freedom in the rooms to define our own abstinence and oftentimes we don't let people people don't really understand which was true for me what the disease was. It took me years and years and of agony and experimentation to finally get so defeated that when I heard about the true malady that I had an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind, I was ready to accept that. And I just really would hope that anyone who's new doesn't have to go through what I had to go through to get to that point, so that they don't have to go through months or years because all of these months and years that the person is is seeming to act like normal people, but then getting back into the food, those are months and years where I'm truly not recovered. I wasn't recovered in those three years that I thought I was abstinent. I wasn't recovered. There's a difference between being recovered and just being on the wagon, so to speak, and not eating my binge food for a period of time. There is a difference. When we accept that when... When I accept that when I take that first bite, I can't decide that I'm going to stop eating. When I take that first bite, something happens to me. It takes over. And I cannot decide to stop. I am truly out of options. I lose my ability to choose once I take that first bite. I am truly a victim at that moment i am I have given up my freedom until I recognize that I lose my freedom to choose to stop and until I recognize that I will always experiment with the next thing. I was in the rooms of o a going to weight watchers. I was in the rooms of o a trying all of these other ways to get control of my food. I knew I had a problem. I knew I finally accepted I had a problem, but then I didn't have the solution. What is the solution? What is the solution? And the big book tells us that the solution is total abstinence, 100%. I can never, ever, ever take that first bite. Because when I do, I'm lost. Not with the second bite. It's the first bite. But I always told myself a little bit won't hurt. That was the big lie. A little bit does hurt. I didn't even know the truth. And so it wasn't just enough for me to get abstinence. I had to work the spiritual program of recovery as if my life depended on it. Because otherwise the obsession of the mind would deceive me and I would go right back to that, that, that food. I would work against myself. My friends called me my own worst enemy. I would forever go to the next first bite until I started working this program of recovery, doing it diligently as if my life depended on it, seeking help. Asking questions, not depending upon my own self, recognizing that myself was my own worst enemy until I accepted that and picked up this spiritual kit of recovery, worked it as as if my life depended upon it. I could not get recovery. And since then, I can't let go of recovery. It's mine, and I'm not going to let go of it. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone like, like to comment on this paragraph? This is Bella. Can I share? I this heard Bella. Okay, okay, I heard Bella. And then I think Sharon. I heard Sharon. Liz. Liz. Kim. Kim. Okay. Bella, Sharon, Liz, and Kim. Bella, go ahead. Thank you. Good morning.
11: My name is Bella and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, for doing this service and thank you very much, everybody that is on the line. I love this paragraph. It's a very, this is the recipe to live in a peaceful mind, peaceful mind, and to live in freedom. Uh, The last paragraph we say, uh, reacts differently from normal people. And here we say he, rea- he reacts much like other men. It's the, before the, pro- the program, this is the way I was thinking, black and white thinking. Well, I am not like normal people. So most probably I am not normal at all because I am not normal like other people. And this is the way I lived till I came to the program. And I believed yes, I am not a normal person in other areas too. Yes I am I am a little smart, yes and I but no, I am definitely not a normal person. And here thank God, thank God since I am in the program Yes, I accept and admit, yes, I am a normal person. And also I accept and admit that I am human and I have my limitations. And yes, I can say definitely, yes, I am a compulsive overeater. And being compulsive overeater, it means that regarding food, I am not acting normal. It doesn't mean that I am not normal in other areas. De- definitely in the food area, yes, I am not acting normal. Now, thank God, thank God I know that it's not my fault. This is the way I was born. This is the way God created me. And, yes, I am like a person that doesn't hear so he's not blamed of, so he needs an earring cane. And as soon as he has the earring cane, he, he hears better the same way me. I cannot have the first compulsive bite. This is the way my body is reacting. Why? I don't know, and it doesn't matter. I have a, a allergy in the body, any obsession in the mind, and as soon as I will take off the first compulsive bite, then I am like a normal human being. Yes, I want to be connected to God. This is my responsibility. My responsibility is to put on my uh, hearing aid my to be connected to God, I can be responsible only the minute that I, I am careful of that first compulsive bite. Thank you very much, and thank you for letting me share. I pass.
0: Thank you, Bella. Sharon, you're next.
12: Um, thank you, Monica. This is Sharon, recovered uh, compulsive overeater in Colorado. Thank you for your service, and welcome to everyone out on the line. And. um in that paragraph just above you know why 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 do I behave like this uh, why can't I stay on the water wagon uh, why can't I be like a normal person um, you know I spend a lot of time wasting time trying to answer that riddle that I will never answer so I just have to accept it is what it is and then it comes down here and says we are equally positive that once We take any alcohol, whatever, into our system, something happens, both in the bodily and the mental sense, which makes it virtually impossible for him to stop. And the experience of any alcoholic, compulsive overeater will abundantly confirm this. And that, again, is the fact that I have to live under, is that this is the way it is And it's not just this bodily thing, it's this mental thing, this mental obsession that began early on in my life. I didn't know how to deal with life. I wanted to live in a fantasy world. I didn't want to accept the harsh realities of life. And so I very early learned how to uh, medicate myself so that I could live in an unreal world, but yet... I was still living in the reality of a real world. And so for me, that's what I finally understood in listening to these meetings. I have a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And the only way that the mind can be renewed and restored is through the process of these steps The process of these steps that we work, once we make the decision, then we must be diligent to work in four through nine, which begins to renew and restore our mind so that I am not constantly living in that fantasy world of restless, irritable, and discontent. It does come back, so that's why I have to be vigilant about working these steps because otherwise, I will pick up that first bite. I will go back on that vicious cycle of food addiction, and I will be lost. So the mind, the mind has to be restored. And then that by that process, and it's not me, that's God restoring and renewing my mind. I have to do the work. That's my part. I have to be willing to work those steps. I have to be willing to, um, do that with a sponsor. I have to be willing to acknowledge to myself and to another human being, the exact nature of this mindset of mine that only God can change. And I am so grateful that I understand that today because for years, you know, I missed that part of it. And, um, I, I suffered and so did a lot of other people with me because there's, you know, like an alcoholic in his cups is, is not any prettier than a compulsive overeater in their cups. And so I'm just so grateful to be a part of this program. I'm so grateful to know today that it works because I've seen it work in my own life. And I hear all of these recovered people out on the line that have given me so much hope to know that, yes, yes, I can live a recovered state of mind and body if I am willing to follow the directions in this book. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Monica.
0: Thank you, Sharon.
12: And Liz, you're next.
2: Hi, this is Liz from New Hampshire. Go ahead. Um, I just want to second what I've just heard. Um, I I am so grateful now to to be... in the process being taken through the steps uh, as they are in the big book because I realized after many years, this is the only thing that is going to save my life and uh, the only way that I will be in recovery from this disease. And, you know, it never, I never really uh, questioned why I have this disease, what was my mother, my father, whatever, I have it. and. Um, the riddle is the riddle that will always remain a riddle. I have it, and if I pick up the first bite, I'm off to 15,000 calories, and that's the way it is. And the thing that I find, however, is that even when I'm not eating, I'm still not a very, or although things have changed, I must say, as I now finish up my fifth step, I'm very happy to be feeling that things are changing. But even prior to, this, even when I wasn't eating I was not such a lovely character and um, the eating didn't make me much more of a lovely character but um, I never reacted sanely to life uh, at all and the food, I, I thought well I can eat, you know, be absent for a couple of weeks and then pick up and then be abstinent for a couple of weeks. I had 13 years of abstinence in LA and I was insane, Um, absolutely insane. I went through the steps and I was still insane because I never had a spiritual awakening. I never had, really, I never fully recovered. And I picked up after 13 years and the disease was right there waiting for me and I ate and did things that I'd never, ever done before. And I am so glad that this time around I'm being taken through the steps in a very different way. And I absolutely believe in my gut and my soul that this is a physical and mental illness and that only by going through the steps will I be recovered. And I'm so grateful that I finally get it, that I finally get it, and that the first bite will not be one bite. It will be all out bender, and I may not come back. And I finally believe that. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Liz. Kim, go ahead. You're next.
13: Good morning, Monica. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. So, what they're grounding home here is this allergy of the body. So, they're telling us as alcoholics what their experience is. It says, we know, in that first sense, this is what they know because they've experienced it. The next sentence, we are equally positive because of their experience. The experience of alcoholics will abundantly confirm this. This is about the allergy of the body. So what they're doing is they're reinforcing what we learned in the doctor's opinion. So on page XXX, the doctor is saying it has never been by any treatment with which we are familiar permanently eradicated, meaning the allergy. The only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. So that's what the doctor is saying, and then the alcoholics are confirming this. They're saying we are equally positive that once we take any alcohol whatsoever into our system, something happens both bodily and mentally, which makes it virtually impossible for us to stop. So they're just confirming what the doctor taught us in the doctor's opinion, the power of this allergy, the fact that once we start, we can no longer reasonably predict how much we're going to have. So that's the power of that. So in that first sentence, we know the alcohol keeps away from alcohol as you may do for months or years to react like other men. So I just want to stress, this was one of the things I didn't get. There is a difference between the freedom from the allergy being triggered and the freedom from the obsession of the mind. What they're talking about is the freedom from the allergy. We're two, three weeks out being abstinent. We're feeling better. We're sleeping better. Our, our, our mind is a little bit clearer. And I hear people say, because I said it myself, oh, God has removed the obsession. That's just the freedom from the allergy. And if we think this is a one-fold illness, then that's all we need. The problem is, once we are absent, once we're feeling a little bit better with the abstinence, and I've often heard abstinence makes you feel better. And that's so true. Because abstinence makes you feel depression better, it makes you feel anxiety better, it makes you feel fear better. So initially... Right, we are going to feel better because we're not going to be in the grips of the allergy. And once we get that freedom from it, we're now at the will of the entire obsession of the mind. So they're letting us know here, they're grilling in, that if we think that we're free and feeling that freedom from the allergy, and for us, or for me, I, since I thought food and weight was my problem, I thought 10, 15, 20, maybe even getting to my goal week down, I can now afford 400 calories. I can skip a meal and have my binge food. Not truly understanding the power, the absolute power of this allergy. The fact that once I pick it up, it's, it's virtually impossible for him to stop. I had a beautiful gift where I you know, was recovered and I had a surgery and unbeknownst to me because of the, a saline solution that had my binge food in it, I had the allergy of the body triggered and I was wondering why food was dancing on my table. And I'm saying that was a gift because I always, you know, I think at the back of my mind, maybe sometimes we still think, oh, we're just making this up. I didn't know I ingested a binge food because it went through my veins from the surgery. And I had that allergic reaction regardless of whether I knew I ingested it or not. This is a biological allergy. I am biologically mandated to binge because that is my allergic reaction when I ingest these binge foods. So, we're letting us know, regardless of whether we knowingly do it or not, we are equally positive that once we take any alcohol, whatever, into our system, something happens both bodily and mentally, which makes it virtually impossible to stop. Until we fully concede this, we're going to be treating Overeaters Anonymous as a temporary respite until we get to a certain goal weight, and then we're going to think that we can have those foods again. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Kim. And this is Monica, and I would like to share here for a moment or two. So the paragraph before ended, we cannot answer the riddle. And then the next paragraph begins with, we know. The facts here, ma'am, we're going to give you some facts. We know. That the alcoholic who keeps away from drink, as many do for months or years, he reacts much like other men. So while he's not putting the alcohol into his system, he's not setting off the allergy of the body. And on the roller coaster that that brings him to and all the pain and, the, you know, uh, that results as as um, which results because he's taken that first drink. And then they go on to say, we are equally positive. Fact number two, that once you do take that first bite of a binge food, you are on the roller coaster. And who knows when you're going to stop. Something happens. We are different. Like it's been said. We don't understand the riddle. We don't know exactly how we are different. But there's something biologically, chemically, genetically, there's something different about us. It's a fact. And if we take up a binge food, it sets off this allergy, and off we go. So those are the facts. And then it goes on, the experience of any alcoholic will abundantly confirm this. They're saying from their experience, okay, well, Monica, what has your experience shown you? And I came into this room in my 50s. Yeah, over and over and over again since my teenage years or before, it was shown to me. My experience showed me that if I picked up a binge food, I could not stop eating. I would start craving, and I would eat, until I was sick and I still wanted more. That's the allergy of the body, the phenomenon of the craving that was set off. So I can't deny that my own experience has shown me that too, over and over and over again. And of course now, I'd put the food down when my, the obsession of the mind would come in and say, okay, you will be different this time, Monica. And of course, we're going to hear more about that. And that's the greater aspect of our disease is again, somehow or other, our minds, our thinking are also abnormal, be it chemically, genetically, biologically, whatever. There's something different there for us in our minds when it comes to this. And is it my fault? No, it is not. But I have a solution here with this program. I have some answers here. Take action, Monica. And with that, I will pass, and we've come to the end of our time for today. And I would like to thank everyone who has shared. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Chelsea, could you read for us? Our book is meant to be suggestive only.